At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome the New York City cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. A Monday show for you, a big show. Uh, Mike Golick Jr., formerly of ESPN, will come on and we'll recap the draft in terms of the Jets, the Giants. Both of them have big nights on Thursday. We haven't talked to you since, so uh, pretty well-received drafts for both teams. We'll go through that in a minute. Big baseball night. Yankees in action against the Blue Jays. Mets in action hosting the Braves, Freed and Bassett. I can just give you those lines right now, I guess, at Bet Rivers. Mets minus 110, total 7. And Yankees, see, both games pretty much a pick them here. Uh, Yankees minus 113, total 8.5. Uh, look, this, I mean, this is a huge night. I, I wouldn't didn't even look at the schedule until this morning because usually Monday, you know, it's a travel day for a lot of teams. And for, for whatever reason, just didn't look at it until this morning. I was like, are the Mets and Yankees playing tonight? And not only are they playing, this is, uh, you know, their chief rival, their chief competition in, in each division with the Rays and Red Sox not really playing very well. Red Sox, I don't think, are going to be a factor in that division. I'm not sure Tampa is either. And I know the Braves are in fourth place, haven't played played well either, but they're still the second favorite here at Bet Rivers. Uh, you know, it's going to come down to if the Mets are going to lose this division. I know the Marlins have played well here and they got a lot of pitching. If anyone's going to beat the Mets for this division, it'll probably be the Braves. So uh, this is these are big games. These are big games. I know it's early May, but uh, we're, we're moving along here. We're already three weeks into the season. And you know it's it's not early forever. Some of these teams that aren't playing well say, oh, it's early, it's early. It ain't early forever. And we're already 20-something games, 22, 23 games into the season. We're already into May. And uh, both New York teams in first place. So we'll get to the baseball in a minute. Uh, Got to start with the draft just because, like I said, Giants and Jets both had very well-received nights on Thursday. 
Uh, starting with the Giants, where, look, Thibodeau, who a lot of people thought was going to go one, kind of fell into their lap. You know, Texans going outside the box and taking Stingley, I think, helped that. Uh, even Jacksonville, to an extent, going outside the box and taking Walker, who wasn't on a lot of people's radar, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, really, this whole draft cycle. That pushed Thibodeau down, get him at five. Neil, who a lot of people also thought would go one at some point in this draft cycle, also gets pushed down. And Giants get him at seven. So if you're the Giants, you sit there at five and seven. You got two guys who at one point could, you know, were in the mix here to be the number one pick in the draft. That's a good night. That's a good night. And the Jets with picks four, ten, they trade back up in the twenties to get the pass rusher Jermaine Johnson. Obviously, they got Sauce Gardner at four, uh, and then they got Wilson, the wide receiver from Ohio State, at ten. So good nights, productive nights, well received. Uh, you know, a, a lot of credit's been given to these teams. You say, hey, new day for the Jets. They're drafting well. Uh, and the Giants, you know, they got their stuff together. We thought Shane and Dable would do a good job. So good night for both teams. I'm kind of, you know, I, I pretty much agree with that. Not to zig, you know, not to zag when everybody's zigging or whatever the expression is. I think they're getting a little too much credit for a couple reasons. You know, ever since we started doing this show back in November, we've talked forever about these picks. They're going to have two high picks, both teams. You know, the Bears weren't playing well. The Giants owned their pick. The Seahawks weren't playing well. Ru you know, Russell Wilson was hurt. Uh, and the Jets own their pick. And then the Giants and Jets were bad. So we talked forever that the Giants and Jets were both going to have two top 10 picks. So when you have two top 10 picks in the draft, you're going to come away with some good players. So it's really hard to screw that up. Uh, any sort of reasonable combination, you know, picking four and 10, picking five and seven, you're going to come away with some good players. So uh, I think they're getting a little too much credit. Like I said, I think they had a good night. I think they added some talent, but maybe a little too much credit here. For the Giants and the Jets, I mean, this is not, I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, they did something that was just, it blows your mind in terms of, oh my God, I can't believe this happened, I can't believe that happened. Like I said, you, you feel the Giants, five and seven, you got two guys that had a chance to go number one, so you, you look like you maybe have two really good players here. Uh, you know, the book on Thibodeau, and I've watched Oregon, I'm sure you guys have a little bit too, Not I'm sitting there scouting them every game. Really good against the run, create tackles for losses, that kind of player. Not a great pass rusher. That part of his game needs some development. Uh, in terms of his personality, you know, big personality, likes to talk a lot. Uh, we know how that goes in New York. If you play well, he'll be a hit, and everyone will love it. If you don't play well and you have a lot to say, it's just it's not going to go well. So a lot of that, like everything, will come down to his play on the field. But you know, like I said, Giants just getting a little too much credit. Jets and Giants both getting a little too much credit, even though I, I agree they had good drafts. Uh, I think a, a little too much credit just because, look, if I mean, let's just say – I don't know, you're having a little party at your house, 10 or 12 people, and somebody gives you $1,000 to go spend on snacks or food or whatever. And they say, hey, you have to spend all of it on food. It's probably not a good analogy. And you're going to come back with a lot of food, though. So, I mean, the Giants, the Jets, they had a lot of draft capital here. You're going to come away with some good players. So uh, we'll see how these guys play, obviously. I know that's not a profound take, but I have a different view on the draft in that every single team, barring a data entry error, meaning they entered the wrong name when they, it was their time to pick. Barring a data entry error, every team got exactly the player they wanted with every pick, given who was available. So everybody has a perfect draft when you think about it that way. Who was available, what pick you had, everyone got exactly who they wanted. You couldn't have done any better if you're any of these teams. So that's just kind of how I always look at this draft. It's very, you know, these people with the grades, I mean, you're grading them based on your opinion, not on, you know, reality. We're kind of... We're giving grades, but the test hasn't been taken yet. That's always been my approach. So I know, look, it's you got to give an opinion. You got to have some kind of thoughts on these guys. 
Uh, it's just, it's always funny, man. This, this team did great. This team did horrible. And I do think there are certain teams that did pretty well. You know, there's other teams and boy, that was kind of head scratching. And sometimes it plays out that way. Sometimes it doesn't, but, uh, Giants and Jets both improved themselves. I think it's important here to give the number, which hasn't really moved, which kind of goes with my point, which I should also mention, okay, you're adding a nice draft class here. You needed to add talent if you're both of these teams. Um, but look, you're adding them to kind of a weak foundation. Like the Chiefs, who I thought had a good draft, part of that is you're adding them to a strong foundation. You know, Karloffis, the pass rusher from Purdue, uh, some of these other guys, Sky Morrow, I think is going to be a good player. Part of the reason I like their draft, you're adding them to other good players. You don't need that much, and they can just kind of come in and, you know, play a role. To expect these rookies, I don't care how good your rookie class is, to come in to be, you know, a four-win team and have this great rookie class and expect to make that, you know, make your team competitive uh, right away this year is asking a lot. Now, look, if this draft class pops and if this draft class is as good as everyone thinks, uh, should also mention they added Hall, the running back from Iowa State, first running back off the board, early second round Friday night. Uh, if your draft class is really that good, it's really it's going to show itself a little bit in year one, and you'll be a little bit improved, but it's you know two, three, four years down the road that this thing starts to cash in. So uh, we'll see. The Jets now five and a half. Their season win total still five and a half. I think the, the juice might have moved, moved a little here at Bet Rivers. I should have looked before what, what it was, see if it moved at all, but still five and a half season win total to my point where it's not going to move the number here. As great as you think the draft was, as great as it may have, may turn out to be, it's not going to move the number for this year. So Jets season win total five and a half at Bet River Sportsbook and odds to make the playoffs. Yes, plus 725. No is minus 1,000. So still look, really good division, really good conference. I don't care how good your draft class is. It's, uh, it's an uphill battle for the Jets here. So... Uh, five and a half and plus 725 to make the playoffs for the Jets. Five and a half is the win total at Bet Rivers. Giants season win total still at seven. And they're yes to make the playoffs. Remember, easier division, easier conference. They are, let's see, to make the playoffs, the New York football Giants are plus 260 to make the playoffs. The no is minus 380. So, I don't know, are either worth a stab? Boy, if the at 7.25, with how crazy the NFL is, if you, if you really think Wilson's going to pop, it's plus 7.25 worth of stab. It's just tough when you go through these teams and uh, the conference, man. The conference is so good. For, you know, Obviously, we know the Chiefs and you know how low to the AFC West is with the Broncos getting Wilson and the Chargers have Herbert. Burrow and the Bengals just went to the Super Bowl. The Ravens, remember the Ravens were like 8-3 and three and they were the one seed before they got hurt and I don't think they won a game the second half of the year. The Ravens are still really good. The Browns have a lot of talent. Now they have Watson, even though he might be suspended for a few games. The Bills are probably pound for pound just as good as any of these teams in the AFC. The Patriots made the playoffs, and they have a young quarterback figure. They get a little better, uh, even though they had you know a little bit of an odd draft. Uh, Miami, they had Tyree Kill. They've got Waddle. Not a huge Tua fan, but that's still a pretty good team. They've been over 500 the past couple of years, so... You could like your draft if you're the Jets, but boy, unless the quarterback pops, uh, you're still really up against it here in, in what is a loaded AFC. Uh, so I love the under five and a half before the draft. Maybe does this keep me off the under? I don't know. I'll have to think more about it. I, I really have to think more about it. I know that's not an exciting answer, but I was dead set on the under before this. Can you talk me into, hey, Wilson pops. Now he's got. Now we got the Wilson to Wilson combination. We got Hall. They'll be a little better. Five and a half is a low total. Can you at least talk me off the under? Maybe, maybe it could. So, uh, not making any bets on that now. Just kind of as a thought exercise. Look, we're we're into May now. It's kind of we're, we're kind of getting we're approaching that hundred day mark where the season's 
really think about it may june july it's three months and then it's august it's hall of fame game and you know fantasy drafts preseason and that three months that three months goes by pretty quickly it'll be here before you know it so uh no bets at the moment for me just wanted to throw those numbers out there for, especially for the jets the giants look i think they'll be improved with dayball i like this draft uh and I think Dayball, from Judge to Dayball, is a huge improvement. I'm still not sold on Jones, although you do have a better backup situation because Jones is always known to miss three or four games. Taylor's not going to kill you uh, if he has to play a few games. So I think the seven's about right. Again, I'll have to go through the schedule. And the you know we know the opponents. We know the locations. We just don't know the order of the schedule. So once the schedule comes out, we'll, we'll, pl we'll spend plenty of time on football. Don't worry. There's, there'll be plenty of football here on the New York City cast. So... Uh, just wanted to throw those numbers out there and, and show that, you know, as much as we talk about the draft, as much as we love the draft, I love the draft. I love the draft. It wasn't a great draft for me in terms of my predictions. And boy, I, it was going off information. That information proved to be not true, to say the least. And boy, I paid the price for it. But uh, bad job by me there. I mean, the picks in the baseball have been good. The picks in general have been good. But boy, the draft was a rough night for your boy. Rough night. But, um, yeah, as much as we talk about the draft, it really doesn't move the numbers as much. It's more of, you know, two, three years down the line, how is this going to affect your franchise, especially when you're a bad team like the Giants. You know, you could be a bad team, and I don't know, Dimpito and an offensive lineman going to come in here and, you know, turn you into an eight, nine-win team. That I'm not sure. That I'm not sure. So that's the football still. Good night for the for the, for the Jets and the Giants, I, I would think. You know, you had a lot of picks. You know, you got some talent in here. You needed some talent. Uh, add a little excitement, add a little juice to both these teams. Seems like both these teams kind of know what they're doing at this point. Uh, again, it's going to come down to the quarterback, so not to oversimplify it, but it's going to come down to Wilson not looking like he looked last year. He, Wilson's going to need to improve. Jones is going to play a little, you know, have to play a little better, have to stay on the field. So uh, we'll spend plenty of time on football again. Mike Gold Jr. coming up in a few minutes, giving his thoughts on the draft. Quickly on baseball. Another series win for the Mets. I mean, where do we start? The Yankees, uh, a nine-game winning streak. I think it's nine right now. Best record in baseball. Lead the league in homers. Judge hitting a million homers. LeMayu hitting hitting the ball. Rizzo hitting homers. Granted, it's against a bad schedule. It's been a uh, a completely you know cupcake schedule between six games against the Orioles, the Guardians, the Tigers. Uh, you know, this week Kansas City. It's been a really easy schedule. Uh, and it'll get a little tougher tonight against Toronto. But look, Yankees, it's a good bullpen. So, starting ro rotation's been solid. I mean, Cortez has been a revelation. Cole seems to have bounced back. You know, Severino's stuff looks really good. They, they throw a pretty good pitcher out there just about every night. It's not great starting pitching, but it's pretty good starting pitching. And the bullpen is really good and really deep. The lineup, at least one through seven, is really good. Kiner Falefa's, you know, done a decent job here. Uh, it's a good team. It's a really good team. You know, I thought coming into this year, I, I gave over 92 and a half. And I thought they'd be barely over. I thought, you know, 93, 94, maybe a really good year is 95. And I'm still probably uh, about that. Nothing has really completely changed my opinion on the Yankees. When I've been hard on them, it's because I think they're a good team. And I think they've missed opportunities to really go from a good team to a potentially a great team, a, a juggernaut. You know, if you sign Seager and, Corey, and, uh, and Freddie Freeman, Instead of 92, 93, 94, you could have been 97, 98, 99, 100, that kind of thing. So, again, though, good team. And, look, you can get Freeman. You can't quibble with Rizzo. Everyone likes Rizzo. You know, he's a good bat, a professional, plays a good first base. So, uh, Yankees in Toronto tonight to play the Blue Jays. Like I said, Yankees and Blue Jays, about minus 110 either way. I think minus, yeah, minus 112 here for the Yankees. 
Yankees to win the division here at Bet Rivers. Remember last week it was plus 275. I thought that was a pretty good price. They are down to, I think it's plus 190 at Bet Rivers to win this division. So, uh, yeah, plus 195 for the Yankees. Blue Jays are still the favorite, plus 125. Rays, who have not played well and do not have great starting pitching, plus 360. Red Sox have played awful, haven't hit. Their pitching stinks. They're plus 700. Uh, Baltimore, 250 to 1. Thank you, but no thank you. The a, uh, the NL East, Mets minus 113. Braves still plus 165, even though they're in fourth place. Philly plus 525. Look, they can't field. They, they can't pitch and they can't field. I mean, Noel is a good pitcher and so is Wheeler. Uh, but other than that, I mean, they just don't defend well enough. Now, they hit. Schwarber's going to hit a million homers. And Harper, they got a ton of power, but they're like... You know, they're like a beer league softball team where they just they don't have enough pitching. They don't have enough defense. Uh, they're not going to win that division. Miami at 17 to 1. Miami's played well here. They're over 500. They're in second. Uh, like I, I like the Mets. I think the Mets probably win the division. And regarding the Marlins, you never want to make a bet you don't think is going to win. And as, as good as that starting pitching is, I don't know if they hit enough. But look, it's 17 to 1. That's not a crazy price on uh, the Marlins here. Like I said, or stacked with the rotation. Washington, 100 to 1. In the East, again, thank you, but no thank you with Washington, who, uh, despite having Soto and Josiah Gray, turned out to be a, a really good pitcher. That was a big part of the Scherzer trade. Thanks, but no thanks uh, with Washington. The games tonight, you know, it's faulty logic to say this, but the streak is going to end at some point. They're in Toronto. Uh, I don't know if we've gotten word yet on who can play, who's not going to play. There's... Of course, there's always been whispers. I think unvaccinated players are still not allowed to play, so that could possibly mean no judge, maybe no Donaldson. I don't know that we know that for sure either way. That would keep me off this game, I think. I think that would just keep me off it. I would lean towards the over 8.5. You figure 8.5, I know the ball's dead and nobody can score any runs, but 8.5 with these two offenses uh, would seem like a low total. With no judge, that would hurt that. And Gallo's been dealing with a hamstring for whatever that's worth. Um, yeah, I would actually probably lean towards, yeah, I would probably lean towards the Blue Jays tonight, but I don't like it either way. That's probably not a bet for me. Uh, Mets minus 110 against Atlanta. Bassett versus Freed. Great pitching matchup. Mets got a chance to do some damage here. You can sweep the Braves and really, I know it's early May, but what, there's six games in the loss up on the Braves. If you put them eight, nine back in the loss column, that's a hill to climb. That is a hill to climb. And you can say forever that it's early. You know, uh, look, it's a lot of baseball left. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of baseball left. And if you're the Mets and, you know, you get swept by the Braves here, you basically undid a lot of the good you did um, early in the year. But if you can sweep this series and really put some distance between you and the Braves, who I still think are their chief competitor in the NL East, I like the under first five at three and a half. I just think this is a great pitching matchup. I'm still not. You know, we still haven't gotten good weather. If you're living in the Northeast, you realize it's cold every day. Every day it's 40 degrees, which is, you know, it doesn't help the hitters. The ball doesn't travel as well. Like I said, the ball is probably dead to begin with. You know, two good pitchers. Uh, first five under, you avoid extra innings. You avoid the bullpens late. So under three and a half and the first five would be my play on the Mets Braves. No play on the Yankees and the Blue Jays. Just because there's so much uncertainty with who's in the lineup, who's out of the lineup. Uh, but I do like the under three and a half for the first five Mets. And the Braves, Mets had the combined no-hitter Friday night. Look, I can't get into it. First of all, there's too many no-hitters now. It used to be a no-hitter. Look, you, you call your friends, you can't, you're glued to the TV with every pitch. Now it's just like every two weeks it's you know a no-hitter, a threat of a no-hitter. 
the no hitter has become completely watered down. It, again, it goes back to the balls being deadened. It goes back to the, all these pitchers are just nasty. They all throw, you know, 98 miles an hour with vicious breaking balls. So there's too many no hitters, and, and a combined no hitter I really can't get into. I, I know the Mets were into it because they've only had two in their history. They had the Johan one like a decade ago, and then they had the one uh, Friday night with the combined no hitter. To me, it's not. It's a personal achievement. One guy threw a new hitter. That's that's the fun of it. A fact that one team gets no hits to me, you know, whether it's four or five pitchers combined to do it, it just it doesn't have the same uh, meaning to it. it. Doesn't have the same juice. So, uh, but the Mets look seven series played, seven series won. You can't do any better than that. They are cruising here, and uh, Yankees best record in baseball. The Mets are flying. These Yankees Mets games are going to be a lot of fun, and uh, who knows? Maybe we get some in October. But coming up next, Mike Golick Jr. will talk about the draft. We'll get his thoughts on the Jets, the Giants, the rest of the draft, his thoughts on the over-under for both these teams. That is next. This is the New York City Cats presented by Bet River Sportsbook. It's hockey playoff time, and Bet Rivers has a special offer through the entire NHL playoffs. Throughout the playoffs, place three same-game parlays for $10 or more on each round and receive a $10 free bet at the conclusion of each round. Think of it as betting the hat trick. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Create your ideal combo with same game parlays on the Bet Rivers app or at betrivers.com. Must be 21 or older. Available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook. We promised them, and now we're going to deliver. Let's talk a little draft. He is formerly of ESPN, former Notre Dame offensive lineman, current host of the Gojo Show podcast. It is Mike Golick Jr. Mike, what's going on, man? Thanks for coming on. I appreciate you having me, man. Everything's good. We're, we're coming off NFL draft weekend, so life is pretty good. This is as busy as the NFL offseason. We'll probably be again for some time until training camps open up, so we take advantage. I would tend to agree with you, but the way this offseason's gone, I mean, every day you wake up, I mean, Tyreek Hill gets traded, Adam gets traded, Russell Wilson. It's just, it was a nonstop uh, offseason after kind of a slow start. It looked like, you remember, we thought all these quarterbacks would be on the move, whether it was Rodgers and Watson, and eventually Watson did get moved, but boy, it's been a, a crazy offseason. It, it's been wild, and I think Roger Goodell and everyone at the league office have to be thrilled because usually this is the stuff we associate with the NBA, right? Having wild Julys that we're sometimes more entertained by than the actual course of season events. And we know the NFL is still king. The on-field product is still dynamite. But having this added into the mix and having players that are vocal enough to push their way around and move their way to certain locations, I think is kind of awesome for fans because, man, if your team is – bad or starting to grow towards something you're one disgruntled quarterback away from all of a sudden being relevant in a way that you didn't think was possible look no further than the denver broncos and their lot in life now in a suddenly chaotic afc west yeah i guess the uh the flip side of that is if you're a 49er fan you wake up one day and you say wait a second why is debo samuel unhappy which we still kind of don't know he doesn't like playing running back he doesn't like living in california is it money i mean usually it's money but uh yeah, it definitely makes it for, uh, you know, especially for doing what we do in terms of creating content. Yes. It's, uh, it's always something. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I think we just get right into it here with the Giants and the Jets in terms of their draft. Look, both of these teams, they got a lot of love. Uh, you know, look, when you have a lot of picks, you're going to get some good players. But both teams, I think, got, you know, highly applauded here for their drafts Thursday, especially then, you know, throughout the weekend, added some more talent. Are you on board here? You think the Giants and Jets had good drafts? Yeah, absolutely. I think the Jets, you know, starting with them, 
you operate from a bit of a position of power when at least right now you believe you've got your quarterback of the future on the roster. So you're not having to worry about future planning for that position. And so you start to build the rest of the structure and you do it in some great ways. I mean, Sauce Gardner, you could argue, was the top corner in this draft. I know Derek Stingley's 2019 still hangs in a lot of our heads, but between him adding a dynamic edge rusher and Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, and then getting Garrett Wilson in the middle, who, again, could argue is the best receiver in the draft out of that Ohio State bunch. And so I think all those together, you got another weapon for your young quarterback to work with. Robert Sala, we know, is a defensive-minded head coach, so he got more parts to work with on that side. All great there. And then... For the Giants, I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau for a while was thought about as maybe the number one overall pick in the draft. You get him sliding all the way down to five. You get Evan Neal, who was my OT1 the entire time. And then you look down further in the draft, too. Wandell Robinson out of Kentucky, I love as a slot receiver who may give them some options to move on with from Kadarius Toney. We know there's been some issues and some rumblings there, so... I think on and on down the list, like you said, a lot of picks for both teams, but especially on the high end in the rounds where you expect guys to come in and compete as potential starters right away. I think they got a lot of really productive and traitsy guys that can help them out. Let's start with Thibodeau because a lot of people, especially here in the Northeast, look, maybe you've seen Oregon play one, two, three times. It's not like we're studying the defensive line play every single you know play. Even if we're watching them, a lot of us don't even know what we're watching. Uh, you get the sense, you know, good against the run. He's going to have, you know, tackles for losses. Uh, you know, the pass rush moves from what I've read, you know, can, can use a little work. Don't know how much uh, development he's going to need there. Are you getting a good player in Thibodeau? Or are you getting a great player? What are your thoughts here on, on what you're getting with Thibodeau? I think you're getting a very good player right now with the potential for greatness. And uh, of the ones drafted near the top, Trevon Walker, we know, number one overall pick to Jacksonville out of Georgia. It's certainly otherworldly physical abilities, but from this edge group especially, I think Thibodeau was always the guy that you circled because he can stress you in the edge. You know, Aiden Hutchinson, who we had that conversation with out of Michigan, not the same kind of athlete that's going to worry you with speed. And with Thibodeau, you got to also look at the things that were going on around him, right? The COVID season in 2020 was an outlier. Last year, injured earlier in the year around that Ohio State game that they played in. And for a guy who knew he was going to be a top five pick, probably spent more of the rest of that year worried about not getting himself hurt. So I think with a lot of this, I talked to Chris Long, former NFL defensive end about this. I can teach a guy and develop a guy and help him get some counter moves. What you can't teach is that initial burst, the strength, speed, and bend that Thibodeau has. And I ultimately think that's why the Giants made sure, all right, if he's down at five, we're taking him, no questions asked. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up. Was this a no-brainer once he lands the five? Is this a no-brainer for the Giants to pick him? Yeah, I think so, especially if you had similar grades on the tackles there. I know a lot of people were worried, you know, maybe they should have gone after Aquanu there, especially knowing that that was going to be a guy that Carolina ended up nabbing at six. But I thought Evan Neal and him, that was, you know, eye to eye for so much of the draft season. I actually thought Neal was more highly rated in my mind. I thought he's more pro-ready coming out right now where he sits. Scheme versatile, can play on both sides. He's played, you know, started at three different positions, including both tackle spots along the line of scrimmage for Alabama. And so if you want to keep Andrew Thomas over the left side after he started to improve, you can put this guy over on the right-hand side and he's not really going to struggle. So I think there were a lot of advantages, but it's all about if you've got a similar grade on those guys. And we know New York's had edge circled on the needs board for quite some time in the last few drafts. And you get a chance to match probably best available with best need. 
Uh, just in terms of a pro comp, again, it, it, there's never a direct comp. It's always, you know, it's kind of a lazy thing. But people like it. People kind of know, want to know, you know, ballpark player, what kind of, you know, player am I getting here? I've heard Brian Arakbo. Anyone else kind of come to your mind here with uh, in regards to Thibodeau? In regards to Thibodeau, no, he's, you know, Arakbo's probably the, the closest I'd say there. Because I, I think, too, as much as I mentioned some of the speed and stuff like that, you brought it up. The guy can still set an edge. The guy is still a factor in the run game. It's not like those are areas where he takes it off here. It, it, it really was more about for him. And, you know, maybe off the field we can comp him with Miles Garrett because he's gotten dinged for having interests other than football, which I thought we kind of dealt with this thing already before where just because you want to read philosophy or put out an NFT now that it's possible, all of a sudden we act like you're not going to be built for Sundays. Miles Garrett proved everyone wrong with that one. And hopefully Thibodeau does the same thing because I, I think that's going to become dated software, especially as we watch college kids grow up faster and faster in the name, image, and likeness world. He just was a savvier businessman sooner than most college kids were able to pull together. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, big personality. And we know how that goes with New York. If you play well, it's going to be the best thing. He's going to be doing commercials. Everyone's going to love him. If you don't play well and you got a lot to say, it's, it's not going to go well. So like like with everything, if you it comes down to you know, how you play on the field. Uh, you talked about Neil. You said you had him as your OT1. Uh, give me your thoughts you know, on Evan Neal here. Is Again, same kind of question. Is this a good player for 10 years? Is this a, an all-pro Ogden type, you know, dominant player? What are your thoughts here on, on Neil and what Giant fans are getting with uh, with Evan Neal here? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got that all-pro potential. There's no doubt. I mean, physical mutant. I walked by him in a lobby of a hotel in Las Vegas and was terrified. And I wasn't even you know trying to rush the passer against the guy here. But he, he's built every way you'd want, like, there are a few people that are going to wear 330 pounds as well as he does and be able to do that 48-inch split box jump that we saw him do before last season when he was at Alabama. He's a guy that combines all of those physical freakish gifts with the pedigree you're used to from the Alabama offensive line room, right? Getting used to playing on both sides there. Technique at a high level, which I think in the modern NFL, because you don't have as much offseason time with these guys, it needs to be for a guy that you're bringing in to be your day one starter. No questions asked when he's picked inside the top 10. And so I, I think all of that, you get guys that are scheme versatile coming out of Alabama that can do a lot of different things. They're smart because of what that offense and what that coaching staff demands out of them. And they have a professional approach. You go to Alabama and you're more or less playing professional football the way that team approaches it for your four-year tenure there, three-year tenure there, whatever it may be. And so I think all those things baked together give you a really high likelihood of having a guy who comes out of the gate and can be impactful for you and then has the ability to have that all-pro ceiling for the rest of his career. How did you kind of rate? You, you mentioned you had him ahead of Aquano, ahead of Cross. Anything in particular you liked about the other two guys? Kind of stack up the, the, those three guys: Cross, Aquano, Neil. You know, weaknesses, strengths. You, you touched on Neil, so just how you know what what made him stand out as opposed to the other two? Yeah, I think most complete and run and pass. Right, fires his hands and really brings them with him. You know, I always say there's a difference when a guy, even with long arms, places his hands out on a defensive lineman, uses them to kind of try and little brother him where now the defensive lineman's got levers to work with. He can knock him down. He can get past you. He throws his hands. Evan Neal puts them out there with the intent to sting and stun the defender and does so really effectively. I think that's why he was OT1 for me. Run and pass, he shows up in a really complete way in addition to the physical ability. I had Aquanu next, who ended up going, obviously, to the Carolina Panthers. And I really thought, in his case, 
it's because he's just a different kind of offensive line athlete, especially in an NFL that is obsessed with that Shanahan tree outside zone scheme right now. He's a guy who can get up and run like a deer on the perimeter. You turn on his NC State tape, and he is such a smooth mover laterally capturing an edge. It's one of the hardest things to do, especially against NFL caliber athletes on the perimeter. And they've got one of the guys that's capable of doing it. He's got a couple of things technically he needs to clean up, but he counteracts that with just the attitude that everyone wants in an offensive lineman. He's mean, he's a finisher, all those things. ACC, I think, voted him the most feared offensive lineman in the league. So he's got all of that to his name. And then you get down to Cross, who is going to come in probably the most prepared pass protector just because he comes from that Mike Leach air raid offense. You're dropping back 50-plus times a game, and so you're getting a lot of looks at it. Former five-star out of high school, all that ability there, smooth athlete in his sets. It's just going to be getting him up to speed reps-wise. He's a willing run blocker. You're just not often asked to do it. And with Mike Leach's offense especially, you see a lot of three-down defensive fronts on defense. You're seeing light box looks. And so it's not totally preparing you for what you might see in the NFL, especially when maybe the team you're going to doesn't quite threaten the down area of the field in the same way. And so I think just because he might be a little underdeveloped, not undercapable, not incapable, but just doesn't have yet the reps, the time under task with that to necessarily be on par with the other two when it comes to that complete aspect of his game. Uh, in terms of the Jets here, uh, take your pick. Go, go any direction you wish. Gardner, Wilson, Johnson. We'll throw in Brees Hall. I think it's going to be a good back for them. He's going to go pretty high. I think it's some people's fantasy drafts just because of the opportunities. Uh, what stood out for you in terms of the Jets draft? First off, in, in Sauce Gardner, I can tell you what you've got is a guy that is just an absolute unholy competitor. I uh, got a chance to visit Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, had an activation around there. And I heard Sauce Gardner was basically there on draft weekend from sundown to sunup, defending his top spot in this wow. act, in this the thing they had where it was a competition among any of the players that were coming through there. And Sauce won it like it was going out of style. And I say all that to say, you're coming to New York, there's going to be a lot of distractions. This guy is focused. I talked to and did a couple of their games at Cincinnati, talked to their head coach, Luke Fickle, there about Sauce Gardner and said, you're going to get a guy who's focused on ball and then is just going to go home and play video games. You're not going to have to worry about him doing a million other things. He's a really focused, competitive cat, in addition to being a guy that people just didn't throw to last year. I did their game against Tulsa when college game day was in town, and I'll never forget this. Because he played into the boundary and because he was such a sticky cover guy, not only did they not throw his way, they barely even looked his way. The quarterback wouldn't even look to that side of the field, so much so that their defensive coordinator finally just sent him on a blitz, and he got home scot-free because the quarterback and the line weren't even looking towards his side of the field. So he's got that kind of rangy athletic ability. Robert Sala, who you know comes from that tree of wanting guys who are big, long, rangy defensive backs, going to get a lot out of that one. Garrett Wilson, I can make the argument, was the best receiver in the draft. Super complete out of Ohio State. We know what that offense looked like last year and the receiving talent that's in that room. And I think he might stand above the rest there. And then managing to nab Jermaine Johnson at the end of that first round here. We talked about a couple of the guys in the top end of this edge class, but there really wasn't a huge gap, I think, between a bunch of those guys when you started to get into the middle where it was you know, uh, Jermaine Johnson, George Karloff, this out of Purdue and those kind of names. And so I think 
super high motor guy who's going to play well in Robert Sala style of defense here. A, a pretty complete, mature guy. Remember, was a transfer from Georgia. So you know the kind of pedigree they get in that Georgia defensive line room. And then combine that, I think, continuing to master his craft at Florida State this last year. And so even if you just look at the first round there, before you get to, you know, Brees Hall, who's a dynamic athlete that was at the center of a, a, a Iowa State team in the last couple of years that did a lot, and Jeremy Ruckert, who did a really good job at Ohio State as a tight end. I think you gave your young quarterback weapons. Your defense got some great athletes to continue to build around this year. And you added a bunch of pieces, which is important because we know this roster needs a lot of help after last year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in terms of uh, Gardner, look, when you're picking a corner that high, like nobody's going to be Deion Sanders. But you know, I think everyone wants a Ramsey. And we saw you know, the impact he had. Is, that, is he on that level? You think he'll be on a Ramsey-type level? Well, I think especially like build and physicality-wise, he's there. And I would say the biggest thing with him where maybe Jalen is a little bit more physical in the way that he approaches things, right? But with Gardner... I think closing speed is one of the things that always stuck out to me with him. He's already got such long levers. He's already so big and lanky. And then he moves so well, especially once the ball is in the air, that you put all that together and you got a guy that's going to be disrupted. You know, one of my favorite stats is disrupted drop back. So whether that's, you know, getting to the quarterback, batting balls down, intercepting them, whatever – He's going to be a guy that can affect the game like that in a lot of way. And for a bigger body corner in a league where we're seeing a ton of wide receiver talent coming in and big body guys, you look at the last couple of draft classes for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You look at A.J. Brown, who is just a part of that big draft day trade. There's a lot of big physical guys in this league. And so as you do that, as you get tight ends that are better receiving options here, I think it always helps you to have a big, you know, rangy guy like that on the back end who also is really, really fast. Yeah, so I think everyone agreed Giants had a good draft. Jets had a good draft. They add talent. They get better. Just in terms of like a handicapping perspective for this year, does it move the needle this year or is this more two, three, four years down the road? Um, I think for the Jets especially, this is more down the road because yeah. this is still a team where you're ultimately – and both of these spots really – the unfortunate part is for all this goodwill we just talked about, it's going to be about what your quarterbacks do, right? It's going exactly to be about what, what Daniel Jones is able to do for the Giants. It's going to be exactly about what Zach Wilson is able to do and start to take that step in year two. And so I think team building in these ways is always helpful. I said this about the Eagles and their draft as well, getting A.J. Brown, which is even if you're not necessarily sold on Jalen Hurts, you create a soft landing spot for the next guy. And we see aggressive young GMs, more willing to admit their mistakes sooner and then potentially play the disgruntled quarterback market that's becoming more and more a thing as guys see, wow, this mobility is a little more possible than it's been in the past. And so building your roster this way, especially when in the Jets case, you believe you've got the answer already at quarterback, I think you're going to be in good shape regardless. But to your point, if we're trying to look at, you know, change in, you know, division odds or Super Bowl odds or anything like that, that's going to be about the step your quarterbacks take, especially for Zach Wilson year one to year two. Yeah, I, I totally agree with all that. It's kind of why, like, the one of my favorite drafts was the Chiefs because of what you're adding to. You're, you got Mahomes and you got all this talent. So Sky Moore is going to go right in and have Mahomes throwing him the ball. You know, Karloffis, Carlo, I think that's how you pronounce it. He's got Chris Jones and he's got uh, well Frank, Frank Clark, Clark to rush the passer. Yeah, you're going to have leads here. So, I mean, part of it is, you know, the context of the team you're adding him to. And I thought, you know, they added Cook, who did a lot of things for Cincy in terms of safety. Uh, and who else? Oh, they got McDuffie, who a lot of people thought would go maybe 11 or 12, and they got him in the 20s. So, plus you add that to... Uh, 
to a team that's already really good. And I thought, you know, they were one team that you know, I was really impressed with just because of, look, you're adding them to a situation where they can just jump in and succeed right away. Yep. And that's always the thing we have to remind ourselves with the draft, right, is when we do draft grades at the end, we're doing the grade for what you did at the time with the information at hand. We're not saying that the Jets and the Ravens maybe had the best draft on paper, so they're going to be the best teams. We know football is a much more complicated game than that. And so you're right. It's always going to be easier for a team like Kansas City, who just moved on from one of the best wide receivers in the league in Tyreek Hill to say, all right, with Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy calling plays and Pat Mahomes at the helm on our offense, We've got the important stuff figured out. We revamped our offensive line last year. We know what undid us eventually was our defensive pass rush not showing up at the moments that we needed it to down the stretch in the postseason. And then that secondary, which has always been sort of up in the air, and now you're replacing Tyron Matthew, who is heading on down, is going to be a part of the New Orleans Saints outfit there. You bring over Reed, you add McDuffie in the secondary there, and the rest of these guys you mentioned, and you're just you're plugging smaller holes because you know the rest of the machine runs so well already. So we should probably grade on more of a curve, but again, it's doing what you can with the information at hand at the time being. Yeah, I totally agree. I said it in my open here. Everyone had a perfect draft because everyone got exactly the player they wanted. Barring a data entry error, everyone got the exact player they wanted given the players available. So everybody technically had a perfect draft. You know, it's kind of like we're giving out the grades. The test hasn't been taken yet. So, you know, it's fascinating. Look, it's we're, we're in the content business. You always got to give a reaction and where, you know, wait and see isn't always a fun reaction, but that's just kind of... Uh, the reality of it. I'll, I'll throw a couple of these at you and l- let me know you know what you think before we get you out of here. Giants over under is still seven plus 260 to make the playoffs. Jets over under five and a half. This is a uh, season wins plus 725 to make the playoffs. Anything you like, you don't like? Uh, man, I'd probably be staying away from both of those just because with the Jets in the AFC East, we know the Patriots are always going to be there, right? We've seen what they've been able to do with less. And this year, the Dolphins seem like a big time wild card to me in that division you know what two is going to do now that they have added on the offensive line bringing teron armstead over from the saints added in addition to having jalen waddle there already now tyreek hill in an absolute track meet of a skill position room there on top of a defense that we know when it was brian uh flores down there as the head coach had really made some headway under a defensive-minded head coach I think all these things put together are going to make them a really interesting team and tough for me to look and say, all right, for the Jets and the teams that you're going to see twice, are there a lot of wins coming by there? And then same for the Giants. You know, I think the NFC East is really going to belong to Dallas still because, again, I know last year disappointing because of the expectation. You're going to get a healthy quarterback back. And I think the Eagles are going to be prime in a lot of those other team building ways to maybe still be ahead of the Giants in all this, who are probably going to be staring more eye to eye with a Washington football team who just made their quarterback move to Carson Wentz. Yeah, as the season gets closer and you start to dive into schedules, we're already into May. I mean, May, June, July, before you know it, Hall of Fame game, you start to look at these schedules and really, you know, analyze it. The AFC is just so loaded. I mean, the team people forget about, like the Ravens. Ravens were 8-3 and three in the one seed, like in November before they got hurt. You know, it was Lamar and they didn't win another game. The Patriots, who nobody talks about, uh, you know, they made the playoffs. They were the one seed for a while. They have a young quarterback figure. They get a little better. The Browns get Watson. Uh, the Chargers have Herbert. You go down the line. The Broncos get Wilson. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. The Bengals were in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, the Steelers are always good for nine or 10 wins. It's just, I can't remember a conference being this loaded. No, it, it, it really is insane. I mean, the AFC West alone could probably already challenge yeah. 
every top team in the NFC when it comes to doing power rankings at the beginning of the year. But you're right. Think about a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, who moved on from Ben Roethlisberger finally. We know Mitch Trubisky's coming over. Mike Tomlin never loses. He never goes below 500. And they're probably going into the year the worst team in that division on paper. Like, we're going to talk about the AFC West, but the AFC North is sitting there saying, all right, what do I have to do to get some attention? It, it is as disparate uh, a weight of talent between the two conferences as I think we've seen in a long time. Because in the NFC, what do you really have besides, you know, the defending Super Bowl champion Rams, Tampa Bay now that Tom Brady's come back, the Green Bay Packers, and then you're talking about maybe a couple other teams with, you know, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and, and a few others that you mentioned in that same breath, but it's not many. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, Michael Jr., appreciate it, man. Uh, the Gojo Show podcast. Tell everyone what they're getting, when they get it. I, I saw the first one just drop, so I got some listening to do. Uh, boy, you went, you went all out today. Hour and a half, my goodness. I'm, I'm turning in 40, 50-minute episodes, and I need a nap. Tell us about the podcast. Yeah, uh, no, listen, it is uh, a testament to the NFL draft and the NBA playoffs coming off a weekend. I mean, listen, you mentioned the content business. There are a few things easier than something that technically qualifies as a football Monday, and then let's throw some playoff action in on top of that. So, yeah, uh, Gojo the podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Really excited. Uh, we're going to be coming to you daily, Monday through Friday, you know, somewhere in that 60 to 90 minute range. But uh, I'm fired up. It, it, it's going to be truly what's happening in the world of sports that day. We've got an awesome crew of, you know, our friends and people that we're close to that are going to be great guests that are a part of the show all the time. Myself and my producer, Brandon Newman, who is also going to be the other voice in the podcast. He's been a part of the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast with Joy Taylor over at FS1. He's been on radio for Barstool in the past, worked at NBC, and he was my former teammate at Notre Dame. So you're getting a 16-year relationship that we now get to turn loose on the masses, and, and we couldn't be more excited. So thank you to everybody that's already checked it out and downloaded. We're going to try and work hard and hopefully give you something worth listening to during the week. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I've enjoyed following your career over the years. I can remember, I think you did, first time I saw you doing a, a what was it, a Northwestern game? Was it the state, the, the game at Yankee Stadium? I think the pinstripe Justin Bowl. Jackson. Oh, yeah. yeah, the pinstripe, the pinstripe ball. I remember because I had a bet on that game and Justin Jackson had like a 93-yard run where I don't think he scored a touchdown. I think he was in that game for Northwestern. Justin Northwestern Jack versus Pitt. Justin yes, Jackson was, was in that game and James Conner was playing his last game at Pitt and ended up wow, leaving with a concussion was. early in that game. So... Uh, it really, really wild game. Maybe the coldest booth I've ever worked in because it wasn't actually a booth. It was a booth set up out in front of one of the suites under the metal bleachers. And so you just had all that cold northeastern air seeping up through you from the metal as you were calling the game. Hard to believe that's like, what, six or seven years ago. Man, it just uh, it goes by fast. But, Mike, I appreciate you coming on. Would love to have you again on in the future. Uh, appreciate a few minutes here. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Mike Gold Jr. Enjoyed that conversation. Enjoyed being back. Felt like it's been a while since I did a show because it's you know a lot happened since before the draft. So appreciate it. We'll be back on tomorrow. Maybe we'll do a little hockey. The Rangers are in the playoffs. Obviously, we'll do some baseball big series tonight. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Mike Gold Jr. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.